0: 17, where it says, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour. Now this understanding of rule, well we've looked at this a lot when we unpacked eldership, but again this morning just to give us a a brief reminder, if you take a right in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews 13:17 17. Word reads, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls, as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This understanding that, yes, that the church is to obey its leaders, but they are to obey leaders specifically that understand that they are keeping watch over the souls of the congregation. People who are in an eldership position have to realize that this is a noble task to undertake, but also there is massive consequences in standing up, preaching and teaching, or leading the church. Uh, if you're going to adventure into anything that is not biblical. So you are to respect and and submit to those in leadership if they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So immediately whenever he says, those who rule well, you're taking into the understanding passages like Hebrews. We could turn to many different ones, but as I said, we've unpacked this before already. So as it says, the leaders or the elders who rule well will be considered worthy of double honour. Now we'll come back to that term honour. We'll read on especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. Now again, this is a misconception for many in the church where we use this word labour. We use this word work. We have an ongoing joke amongst many uh, church Members, how the pastor only works once on Sunday. And yes, that may be true for some, but unfortunately that's not true. We're having, if you're a teaching elder, you're drawing from personal study throughout the week, coming before the Lord with a ruling understanding in your heart of Lord. I have to be held accountable for every word that I speak. I have to stand before your judgment seat being the shepherd and overseer as long within this church Elder Ian and Elder Leslie and we have to give an account for the doctrines we set in place, for the understanding of your word we set in place and for the practising of that word, particularly whenever we are the ones called to go to those who may be in error, for called to go to those who may be in sin and to rebuke or to admonish, to lift up, or in some cases to have to actually be the chastening hand of the Lord in the tearing down of somebody who's caught up in habitual sin. So it's this understanding of labour. And I want to just understand a little bit more if you turn to First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twelve. First Thessalonians chapter five verse twelve. Verse twelve reads, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labour among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their works. And again, as I said, this unpacking of what it means to be the laity underneath the eldership of overseers of the church, this is not some way for me to manipulate this passage, for me to demand that I be shown respect, or that Elder Ian be shown respect, or Elder Leslie be shown respect, or any other elder. This is simply unpacking why it is important. For the elders to have their role and for the elders to be respected within the household of God. So it says, we ask you brothers to respect those who are labour among you. And this is this understanding of this constant vigilance. This constant working, this constant treading into God's word and seeing the practical applications of God's word. And then holding up the congregation to account, not to man-made traditions, but to the true biblical meaning of God's word. This is the labour for which anybody within this church, whoever comes to a position where they desire to be an elder... As we've looked at a man of certain qualities this is the labor intensity intensity that you're venturing into do you want to make yourself separate in the day of the lord from every other person who's being judged as we looked at looked at that whenever we unpack eldership it means that those who are elders within the church will not be in the same line of judgment as those who are not leaders in the church. We are going to be held to higher measure. We're going to be held to higher accord. And that's why the time to turn to the book of James where he states, do not be quick to enter into leadership because of exactly the meaning behind it. That every time I stand up here, or Elder Ian or Elder Leslie stands up here, we have to give an accord for the word that comes from our mouth. Therefore, there should be a fear, a humility, and a chastening upon each and every one of us when we take ourselves upon this pulpit, that this is not a position given to us by man, but this is a calling given to us by the Lord. Therefore, you do not respect the man, you respect the calling. You're called to respect those who labor in the word and minister in prayer for your behalf, for your edification, for your growth. It's important that we understand that. That's what eldership is. It's not something that we can attain to so we can have some sort of position amongst the culture or the society that we're in to be able to say, hey, I'm an elder. Oh, well, you must be a certain type of person. No. It is a thing that you should come to fearfully. Am I called by God Almighty to be a minister and to labor amongst His people and to take the position of humility underneath the chasing that may come and understand that I will be judged heavier? Is that what I desire? And is my desire based upon God's calling? Or is my desire based upon the fact that I desire to be in that position? And that's exactly what's happened within the church in Ephesus. Women were desiring to be teachers and, and preachers and elders, even though they were told specifically they were not allowed to be. People were desiring to be like the Judaizers, so they could have the same pull and authority amongst the culture. And that's the reason why they wanted to be in that position. That's why Paul had to give certain individuals over to Satan. This cannot be the way within the church. And unfortunately today, we find ourselves people entering into a shepherding position that do not understand what it means to labour. They enter into a shepherding position because it's a family tradition. It may not be a family calling upon my son Isaac, or any other sons I may ever have, I don't know. God willing, whatever happens. But I'll write now on my son Isaac, he may not be called to be a minister, teacher and shepherd of the word just because I was. It's not a family tradition. It is a specific individual calling placed upon each and every person and maybe someone even within this church setting now that one day you might shepherd this church. And the reality of it is, is that there is not one elder over the whole church. There is not one popeship. It is a plethora of elders more than two, hopefully, that rule well together. Chosen from amongst its own people. That being said, back to 1 Timothy. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour. Especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. Now what is this double honour? We've unpacked this word honour when we looked at widows. Same as we unpack honour your father and your mother. Honoring is what we've just said there is a respect. It is to be able to be given a certain status within the church. It is an honoring yes by name, honoring yes by position, but it's also an honoring by financial aid. And again, this isn't me talking about I would like a pay rise as a pastor. This is just understanding the word of God and why pastors are called to be in the position that they're in, and are pastors biblically meant to be like Paul who is a tent maker, or are they meant to be supported by the church? Because that's a popular narrative now. And I think we need to explore it. To give the text its proper understanding does it mean honour, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching, with regards to financial honour. So what I want to do this morning is I want to answer this biblically out of no other context apart from what God commands through his word. So I want to start this morning, if you turn to the book of Acts. Acts 18. Acts 18 verses 1 through 4. Now again we understand the book of Acts is not a teaching book. It is a narrative of the Acts of the Apostles. There is certain elements of the book of Acts that was specifically and only for that time period. It's not like the epistles. It's not a teaching book. Rather, are things that happen in Acts that will not ever happen again. That being said, we'll read what it says in 18 verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went up to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native, on, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see him, and because he was of the same trade and stayed with him uh, stayed with them and worked. Now here we have the citing of the passage that I have spoken about. People will argue here's Paul. Surely, out of all of church history, we can look to the Apostle Paul, who was both minister, was both shepherd, was both evangelist, was both missionary. He is the collective purpose of of it all. If he worked, why is it then that other pastors shouldn't work? And you should ask yourself that question. Because we don't ever want to venture into tradition. We want to venture into what is the biblical commandment set forth for the church, by the church, Through the teachings of God and the Holy Spirit through Scripture. So we have that he stayed with them and worked. For they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath. And uh, tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Verse 5. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. Paul was occupied with the word. Testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. Now. If we understand the context of this passage, in the complete narrative of the New Testament, we have to understand what is finishing off there. What does it read in verse 5? When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word. He was not occupied with tent making. Any opportunity that came about... Whenever Paul was not being able to be financially supported by the community in which he labored, yes, if necessary, he would have done whatever means he had to to make ends meet. But by the time that Paul, or sorry, by the time that Silas and Timothy arrived in Macedonia, Paul was not occupied with tent making. Paul was occupied with the word. Now, how do we know that this to be true? We know because you can turn to 2 Corinthians, to which Acts 18 is talking about. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians verse 11. Sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7. Now Paul here, he's come out of talking about false apostles and he says in verse 7, or did I commit a sin in humbling myself? So that you might be exalted speaking here to the church at Corinth. Because I preach God's gospel to you free of charge. I didn't demand a wage. I didn't demand that you support me. I did it freely for you so that you may come underneath the understanding of the true gospel. And come to an understanding that you are a grave sinner. And that you had a need for a saviour who was indeed Christ. So we did it for free. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. Everybody's wrote that. I robbed other churches. As we read about in Acts 18, which we just read, where he says he left and he found Priscilla and Aquila. He found that... Priscilla understand that he was under the same trade. Both of them were tent makers. There was an element of him working. But also he says that he robbed other churches. But why would he have robbed other churches? Because he was taking money from other community groups. That he had planted churches in. That understood the commandment of God to support labourers. in the preaching and teaching of the word. And he took their money in order to be able to be a missionary. In and amongst the people at Corinth. We talk of it today like missionaries. We can send a missionary out from this church, he could go to the deepest, darkest, far-flung reaches of this world, in the tribal reaches, in the people he may not have ever heard of the gospel. It's getting a stage where you could just go somewhere in Northern Ireland, Ireland, you can nearly find people like that. But that being said, we as a church would support him in the ministry and in that labor until what? The church is established. Until there was enough people within that church to support its own pastor. And Paul makes it clear here. I didn't charge you church of Corinth. I labored in tent making whenever I had to. But I also took financial support from other churches that shouldn't have been supporting me. It should have been from amongst your own people. That you saw the fact that I was preaching and laboring God's word. And that I deserved, rightly deserved, a wage from each and every person for doing that. Let's make sure that that's what he says. I'm just leaning into that. He goes on and says, I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need. So this is important. He was so caught up, we read it, didn't we? With the preaching of the word. That's what it reads in in Acts 18. It says when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. That's important. Paul was occupied with, with the word. Why was he occupied with the word? Because he was in the synagogues. He was reaching to the Gentiles. He was laboring in the field of the gospel for the, for, to admonish God and Christ through the means of salvation only, which was the gospel, and no longer had time to fix tents. So what, is it, what happens then? They're not supporting him. He doesn't have time to do his own labour doesn't have time to do his own tents and maybe the money that he has received has run out and he finds himself in need financial need somewhere to stay in need food need need what happens? we'll read what happens I did not burden anyone for the brothers who came from Macedonia who's that? Go back to Acts 18. It reads, when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia. So he's in need. The people from which he's laboring, the people who have come to Christ, he's given them the gospel for free. He's not charging them at all. And he finds himself in need. Paul, man of God, does not say, I'm going to put aside my ministry in order to keep being occupied with tent making. Far far may that be. I'm going to set aside my own need and not do tent building and labour and preach and teach the gospel until I get myself in a position where I have nothing. Enter the fold from Macedonia, Timothy, to whom Paul is writing First Timothy 2. And what happens? It says, the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So the churches in Macedonia sent Timothy and others to Paul as he is laboring amongst the people. Even though he could be making tents, he chooses not to because his goal, his life's calling is to be what? A teacher, a shepherd of the flock. To see the need of denying himself of his own abilities as he could and rightly could work. He chooses rather to receive aid from other churches because the church in which he ministers Refuses to support him. Supplied my need. So I have uh, refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. I give it to you for free. I'm not going to burden you. I'm not going to do it. Because I will boast in Christ's provision. And the other churches who have become established. And understand in God's decrees will indeed supply my need. Back to 1 Timothy. So Timothy Knows this already. So Paul is setting in place here. Let the elders in the church. In which you are now laboring with them. In Ephesus. Who are doing it rightly, who aren't doing it for prestige, who aren't doing it to be seen to be doing it, but who are ruling with a fear and a trembling before the chastening of the Lord in the day of judgment, where they may hear the words that they were not a true labourer within God's vineyard and be cast into outer darkness. They are there because they're called to be there, not because they desire to be there. They're doing it rightly, they're doing it well. And not only are they doing well, they're laboring, they're working, they're toiling, they're, they're, they're sweating, Do loss, they're, they're, they're getting it done in the midst of all the oppositions. And Paul is citing Timothy here, if there is indeed elders who are there in the church who are doing it for that reason, make sure those who preach and teach are worthy of double honour, are worthy of the payment that they should receive for that preaching and that teaching. And he goes on to say in <clears throat> verse 18, For the scriptures says, You shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the labourer deserves his wages. Now again, what, is, what are we getting from that passage where it says the labourer deserves his wages? He's continuing it on, and he's actually citing a command of our Lord Christ. If anyone has it in your Bible, that's why it's in red. Well, what's that speaking of? The laborer deserves his wages. Turn to it. Luke 10, verse 7. So this is Jesus sending out the 72. In fact, we'll just read it to get the context from verse 2. And it says, And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first said peace be to this house and if the son of peace is there your peace will rest upon them but if not it will return to you and remain in the same house eating and drinking what they provide for the labourer deserves his wages. Don't bring stuff. I'm going to supply the need that you have through the people that you go to minister to. Stay in their houses. Eat what they give you to eat. Drink what they give you to drink because you deserve your wages. So again, this is Christ setting forth at this stage. There is no established church. They're simply sending out missionaries. And Paul here is coupling the sending out of missionaries to the continual sending out of God's word from a missionary platform of feeding the sheep, ministering and labouring within the context of the church. Back to 1 Timothy. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6, actually, verse 6. Will you find that? I'm going to find where I'm going to next. I've lost where I'm going to here. Galatians 6, verse 6. Again, build upon this narrative. Let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever one sows that will he also reap again here showing the fact that let the one who is taught the word share good things with the one who teaches also want to turn to Lost a couple of passages I want to bring us to, and of course, I've no notes to find out where, where they were. That's not good, anyway. Back to First uh, first Timothy, as I, as I said. So, again, we're coming to this understanding of you shall not muzzle an ox when it trends out the grain, and the labourer deserves. His wages. So again, Paul sets in place here this total and complete understanding of how it is indeed the biblical commandment for each person to give accordingly to the church, but also to make sure that those who labor and teach in the church do not have to go and be a tent maker. That unfortunately is a very common narrative. In fact, it's not even a tent maker for many people now, it's not sufficient. For them to be and only be an overseer of the church and a shepherd of the church. They find themselves caught up in the lifting up through the categories of even church that there is now. That they want to have a career in church. Because the office of shepherd doesn't fulfill the need. That you have to be a certain position within the church. We also understand that it it speaks to and of elders. It's speaking here to those who are over the church. As we read there in the book of Hebrews that the congregation are meant to submit to the eldership. Too many times we find elders underneath committees that are choking off the church. Deciding what indeed the pastor or the elders should receive rather than the collective body of the church realizing that it is the commandment. As I said, we've looked into it in depth but what I want to do is I want to stop there because we're going to go into next in verse 19, which is do not make a charge against an elder is going to take us into a further teaching platform, and that's for next week. But hopefully what we can see there, if you couple that with what we've looked at in the past with eldership, yes, it is important. This, is, again, isn't for me to say this because I'm in a position. It's important for each and every person within this church to realize that it is a biblical commandment from Christ that every person who labors deserves their wages. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for this word. We thank you, Father, that we can be open to it, Lord, and understand that it is the calling, Father, for those who have been called by you to express it, use their time, Father, to study and to teach and to preach your word. I thank you, Father, that there are those like Paul, Father, who find themselves in a position where they have the ability, Father, to lay upon other things to meet their need. But, Lord, that is not your calling. For those whom you have called, Father God, you equip. And those whom you equip to preach and teach, you've commanded for others to give to them, Father. Lord, may more and more people who are in an eldership position find themselves underneath this weightiness of Scripture. That are they using their time for your ultimate glory? Or are they wavering, Father, because they have to be double-minded from tent-making, Lord, to the study of your word help us Lord to not enter into the mockery Father of your commandment whenever those who say that pastors, ministers, elders only work once a week Father I ask O oh Lord that if there is any elders within this church Lord including myself or any other church that see that their calling is nothing more than a half an hour platform on a Sunday morning Father that you remove them Lord they do not see that they are going to stand before your almighty throne, with the cherubim circling overhead, crying out, Holy, 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 with every tribe, nation, people, and tongue confessing and bowing down to the Lamb, saying, He truly is Christ the Messiah, Lord of Lords. And when every eye is fixed upon each and every elder who is shepherded throughout the course of church history, let everyone see, O Father God. That they took the vocation and the calling seriously. That they didn't allow themselves to become busy with other things. But rather that they became busy, Father, with the study, preaching, teaching of your word, O Lord. Father, we ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. we will stand will close in worship.